Hey there, I'm Joanne Tambrakis, and this is Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Unfiltered conversations, or as I like to say, opinions shaken, not stirred, on what's changing and what's not in business and in life as we enter into the next normal. So pour yourself your beverage of choice, and let's get to it. Today, I have not one, but I have two guests with me. Leslie Hernandez, who is a marketing maven, who is currently a senior product marketing manager for Unity Technologies. And I have Courtney Davis, who is a marketing consultant who specializes in education. These two met when they were both working at Scholastic Publishing in New York. And while sharing an office, they discovered they also had a shared passion for empowering young females. Since then, in their spare time, which I want to know about how this happened, they wrote, illustrated, and published a delightful children's book entitled B is for Boss Lady that they are here to talk about today. So welcome to the podcast, Leslie and Courtney. Thank you so much for having us. So glad to be here. Yes, hi. Yes, I'm excited too. I'm in full disclosure. I do know Leslie. Leslie is one of my former students and people are probably tired of hearing me have former students on and and, and NYU colleagues, but you know, there's just so many great people that I'm surrounded with there that it's 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 hard not to. (laughs) Um, But before but before we get into um, the book and how it came to be, I always like to start asking my questions where they're from. So let's start with Courtney, since I don't know anything about Courtney. (laughs) Um, Where I'm from? Where you're from? Yeah. Yes. So I am originally from Charlotte, North Carolina, born and raised. And um, I moved to New York when I was in my late 20s. Um, I originally thought I was going to be a ballerina. So I used to go to New York in the summers and studied ballet. Um, That's kind of when I really fell in love with the city and the energy, the culture. And so that ballet, I did not end up becoming a ballerina. Um, (laughs) But still years later, I decided I wanted to be in the city. So kind of uh, quit my job actually and moved up there with (laughs) a lot of determination to make it work and ended up meeting Leslie a few years after that. That, that's wild. Everyone has, a, I love that New York story, but I would never in my wildest dreams guess that you were from the South because I don't hear any Southern accent in there. So <laughs> I get that a lot. And Leslie, my dear, can you tell us all where you're from? Yes, absolutely. So I was um, born and originally raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, I studied my undergrad there at the University of Maryland College Park. Uh, I also moved to New York City. Like after having a career um, at a nonprofit, um, I had the opportunity to transition to Scholastic and pursue my NYC dreams as well. <laughs> and uh, I was in New York for about seven years. Uh, during my time there, I also that's when I, I met you, Joanne. Uh, I studied my I pursued my master's of integrated marketing at NYU. And then when the pandemic hit, I decided to come back to Baltimore. So now I'm here to stay in my hometown. Lovely, lovely, lovely. So you're both marketers, and yet you've also written a book. So let's get to this book. What inspired you two to do this? Well, first, I wanted just to start off like how, you know, when Courtney and I met, we shared an office, and we had a lot of fun collaborating with each other, right? We collaborated on um, product launches, campaigns, and it was just like a highlight of my day, right? Going into the office, working with Courtney. And during our time there, 
you know, working at Scholastic was a very mission-driven company. Um, we had that passion to, you know, inspire uh, children, right, or, or advocate for them, advocate for equity and education. And during our time there, we actually were really grateful to be surrounded by female boss ladies, right, who were doing amazing things, who were very empowering and also were essential in empowering us in our professional and personal growth. So we we wanted to just like pave this forward to, you know, the younger generation. And this really, um, I guess, opened up the opportunity to think about, you know, how can we do this, right, to empower uh ladies or, or children, just how we were empowered. Um, so that's why we, we started to think about collaborating on this book. And I guess, Courtney, if you want to dive a little deeper there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll second what Leslie said is like, we love working together. And I think in general, again, too, there was such a powerful group of women that in my career, and I had jumped industries before finding Scholastic, um, but had always been in marketing and was usually, I was used to like women more pitting against each other. And Scholastic was a really neat uh, culture because yeah, it was a lot of women just boosting each other up and women from like literally all over the world, different types of women I had ever worked with. Everybody brought a different thing to the table. Um, and like Leslie said, like we were really collaborative. We worked really well together. Um, we both shared a mission for, you know, empowering females, but also just how powerful education is in every child's life. And, um, you know, there's an equity gap in who has the opportunity to receive a decent education and who doesn't. Like that was another one of our passions. And so I was actually, I had an idea for a totally different children's book and had no idea how to start it. So I signed up for a class at School of Visual Arts um, in New York. And one of the assignments was related to like careers and industry. So I had no idea what to do. I was, we shared an office and I was kind of just brainstorming with Leslie one day. And that's kind of how we came up with this idea. We were like, oh, like it just kind of kept building. And I think being in the positions that we were in, we saw like the majority of children's books, it's changed vastly in the last five years, but go back 10 years ago, little girls would see themselves as like a princess in a book or a mermaid or a ballerina where you had books for boys that were firefighters or, you know, they were building buildings, construction workers. And the idea of like a purpose and a career for a girl really wasn't a thing or it wasn't present. It also doesn't really sound fun when you say it like that. <laughs> so our goal was to like, how do we do this in a way that's like really fun and whimsical and kind of playful? Um, so that we're starting to get young girls to think about like, there's something much bigger out there for them and like whatever, whatever they really want to want to do, they are capable of. I love it. I love it. You know, as I'm listening to you and you're saying 10 years ago, I mean, I'm a whole lot older than both of you, probably combine both of your ages and then you get my age. It was like that back then you still had, you know, there still was there, there were children's books for boys that could say they were a firefighter. And if you were a young girl, the best you got not, and I'm not going to discount being a teacher because I wound up going back to doing that, but um, you were a teacher and nurse at best is what your options were. And the images were not very diverse in terms of what young girls would look like. It was certainly the, you can go right back to the Barbie doll image of just this perfect little body that nobody had in real life. And, and now, and now we've kind of gotten away from this. There's so much in there. There's something else that you said in there too, that really struck me was about um, women 
pitting against each other because I think it's been personally, I've experienced that. I think it's shifted and changed, but I think you can still find it in that respect that sometimes we are our own worst enemies. So when you're in an environment where you can support each other, it can really move mountains, so to speak. Yeah, I honestly think it's really empowering and it, I would say it shifted my whole like mindset and perception for just moving forward in life. I think once you've experienced that, you start to like, I guess, give it forward to others. Mm -hmm. And that just becomes a natural way you treat other women. And yeah, feeling like having somebody empower you is empowering. So, you know, you want to want to spread the love. And I feel like we, we have to as women. Oh, I love both of this. I love both of you already, what we're talking about here. Okay, so the title is B for Boss Lady. How, how did how did that come to be? Yeah, absolutely. So as like Courtney mentioned, right, we had amazing boss lady figures and we were like, all right, what is a boss lady? What defines a boss lady? And for us, a boss lady was like someone who is bold, right? Someone who's confident and is confident in who they are, like no matter what they're pursuing, right? Um, to be a boss lady, you don't need to be a CEO of a company or a lawyer, right? A boss lady can be found in any purpose. Um, they could be, you can have a boss lady driving a truck or a boss lady as a nurse or instructor, just about anything, right? As long as she is constantly empowering herself and is just like happy in her purpose. Um, I think that's what defines a boss lady. And that um, was the the drive, right. Or like motivation and, and how we came up with like, Oh, who is a boss leader? What is a boss lady? That is, you move right to my next, my next question here, actually, because I noticed that there was a diversity, not just in the illustrations, but also in the jobs that you chose. I mean, you had doctors, but you also had karate instructors. So I think now I understand a little bit better where that was coming from. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah, I, I think too, sorry, Joanne, um, to yeah. Leslie's point, it's more about like being a, the boss of your life. Do you know what I mean? Whatever, wherever that takes you, whatever you end up doing, like Leslie said, like we need managers at the grocery store and that is somebody can own that. And that has a purpose to it. And it's not about necessarily, yeah, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer. It's really, you see yourself as empowered to like be the boss of your future and your career and your trajectory. So you did the illustrations, Courtney, is that right? Yes. Amazing. She's and this amazing. was this was this a talent you had all the time or did this happen at the visual arts? Um no. Course, because honestly, it's, it's and everyone should buy a book. And if you're, you know, like me and you you can just buy it for the little girls in your life because it's an adorable <laughs> little book. We'll get to that part later. But the illustrations are pretty amazing. Thank you. Um yes, I am not a trained artist. Honestly, I look at the book and I'm still kind of amazed that <laughs> it like looks like a cohesive um, book. I will say though, Leslie, I don't think this book would have like actually gotten to be a book if Leslie was not my partner. I think um, being that I actually started drawing when I stopped dancing. I think I just needed a creative outlet, but mm -hmm. that was in college. Um, and I think with this, for me, this project was juggling my artistic side and then the business side. And it's really easy. I feel like when I'm in my creative artistic pursuit, just to get sucked into that and be a perfectionist with every little thing. I can't tell you how many iterations like of one page I would do. And Leslie would be like, it's fine. Just get it out. We need to get this out. 
And, um, but I mean, she was really good. She was a boss lady. You know, she was really good at pushing me to know when good at like perfection. It's not, you can't be perfect. There is no perfection, but when, when are we getting our message across? Okay, let's move forward. Um, so, which was really helpful. Otherwise, yeah, I don't think, <laughs> I'm not sure this book would have gotten out. No, I was just going to say about the illustrations. It's like, you know, as you can see, they're very quirky and fun. And I, I love just, just the way that Courtney <laughs> illustrates and like we, we bought it, as you mentioned, like a diverse dimension into this, right. Um, you'll, you'll notice in the book, we have like boss ladies of different, um, cultures, colors with different hairstyles. It's just like completely different. And, um, I love that, right. With this book, you know, growing up, I, I am Latina and growing up as a child, I didn't have books mm-hmm. um, that had characters that looked like myself. So, um, this book, that was like our vision, right. To also illustrate and showcase the various boss ladies, different shapes and sizes and, and different looks. So that was really important. So I think Courtney did an amazing job. <laughs> you did an amazing job and you're right. You know, you can't be what you can't see. There's no two ways about it. Absolutely. But as, as you were both talking, it's, a, I think one of the things that happens when people create is that they, they think that this can happen in isolation and yet you really need you need that collaboration, even when, in this case, one person's doing the drawing, but Les, and having known Leslie, I think she suffered through two semesters with me. Um, I know she's a very, <laughs> she's got it. You've always, you know, I remember this about you is that you were very, very positive and energetic and inspiring to every team that I, that I saw you on too. So I can see where that really um, helped to move things along. Leslie was also really great about bringing in different women like from both her life or that she had met in New York, bouncing ideas off them, getting them to look at the book. I think also our group at Scholastic, we would share with them and they would say, oh, there's nobody who looks like this. Or um, So I think that was like a really big piece of how it ended up coming together is that we worked with literally women from from all different backgrounds. Right. Did you did you think about taking this to school, to school, I can't even say it's classic and asking them to publish it or you didn't yes maybe tell me what tell well, me what happened. No, yeah. so you know I mean as you know like publishing a book with a, a publisher you know there are limitations right and you know a book can go into a different direction right if you work with a with a publishing company and um, there's editing involved and. It, you know, we, we've experienced that um, at Scholastic, just like from other books. And, you know, and we wanted to just stay true to our vision. So that's why we decided to just self-publish. Right. So that way we can uh, move forward with that. Well, you did yeah. a great. I don't think a lot of people realize, though, ha- having self-published myself um, and being a big proponent of it. I don't think a lot of people realize that there's a lot to it. And certainly doing a children's book like this that has illustrations and is not what you call a standard size makes it a little bit more challenging too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great learning. I mean, again, we had so many talented kind of um, women to ask questions to or bounce ideas off of. But I, when you're saying this too, I'm thinking of the process that we went from when we actually had the book to when we had it print ready, which is like, a a whole thing in and of itself that I had really no idea of. Um, But, you know, after a lot of trial and error, I think we like printed 
five or six like tests that each one had to change, you know, for a series of months before we finally got it to the right size and color and format. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a good learning experience. And like Leslie said, it was really important to us that we put this out there as is like, we wanted our vision to be our vision. And there were certain reasons we did things, um, the way that we did. And we, I feel like we were just very thoughtful in the whole story. Um, and we did speak with some publishers and I think we realized we don't want to make compromises. Mm -hmm. So let's put it out there. Um, like we want to put it out there and then see, see what happens. And, and is there a specific age group? I, I don't even think I looked at that. Is a specific age group that this is targeted at? Yeah, I would say it would be young ladies up to age seven or, or eight. Um, yeah. Cause like they're learning um, careers. It's ABC. Um, there's like uh, rhyming involved. So I, yeah, I would say we targeted to like the younger um, children. And you make yeah. it, a, you have a little interactive piece to it as well. We have, um, I was going to, to Leslie's point too about the ages, I think like we made it rhyming and we made the illustrations really fun and whimsical so that it would be like fun for um, a parent to read to a daughter. They might not understand it, but I don't know. I always like to hear rhymes and melodies. Um, but I think once they get older, like towards seven, eight age, like they can start connecting what the rhymes are actually saying with the illustrations and kind of getting that bigger picture of like what this career means. We do have, um, it's, we have a boss lady for every letter, but it's not a conventional, like what they call an alphabet book. Like this is not a book for kids to learn their alphabet. We just use a through Z. It's more of an organizing method. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. I think it's for all ages. <laughs> no. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it, what I find very, uh, amazing is like you know when we have family and friends with like little children like they don't even know how to read right <laughs> like as Courtney mentioned um parents are reading to their little kids I have like two nieces one's three and one's one and they're like pointing to like what they want to be like a firefighter or a pilot so it's just amazing like um the opportunity we have to inspire even like children from you know, from like one, you know, being very, very young. So, um, yeah, I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. It literally made me think of something I was telling her the other day. I was at a friend of mine's house and she has a five-year-old son and he was looking at the book and he opened it and it was I, which is investment banker. And he also, he's, he can't really read, but he was like, that's a rich woman. She's making so much money and look at her charts are going up. <laughs> And it felt so, I think to have a little boy, like recognize, oh, this is a powerful, you know, rich woman in some way, shape or form was pretty, like, I kind of got goosebumps for a second. Cause I think just as important for little girls to start seeing themselves as these boss ladies or as like strong women, it's just as important that like young boys also start to share this narrative and see this vision. And see women in those positions from a young age, and not and and see it as a as a collaborative good thing, as opposed to compared to competitive. I love it. I love it. Is this the beginning of a series? That's a that's a great question. Um, I I think so. I think there there is opportunity to create a series. I know um, both Corny and I do have some other like passion book projects that we're going to be collaborating on. Um, so we'll see, but I, I know this has been such an amazing and, and fun journey that we we're going to be collaborating on like future books. So 
there will be more to come, <laughs> possibly series or possibly just a uh, different other type of series of books. Yeah, I think like going back to Leslie's and I and my like collaborative nature, we I feel like we have come up with like a million different ideas of how this could become <laughs> yeah. a series. Um, and then like Leslie was saying too, we also have a couple other ideas for other books that have slightly different purposes. But I do think that we, in some way, shape or form, whether it's just this book or whether it's something that branches off of this book, um, we think this could, yeah, this is kind of like a career almost readiness program of sorts for girls. And I do think there's an opportunity for it to go a lot deeper. Yes, I do too, especially right now. I mean, there's all these schools want to ban books that don't um, look the way they want them to look. And, um, and yet, not that there's anything that's worth banning in here, but the way things are going these days, you don't know whether somebody would actually look at it like that. I think it's definitely the beginning of a series. It's my own personal little... <laughs> So that's what my 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 superpowers are telling me. Did the pan, did the pandemic help to really like give it this final push towards towards its reality? Because you both have been working at the same time you're doing this. That's not an easy thing, um, and you have lives and other responsibilities. Did the pandemic help to kind of push this along and get it out there in the say, world? Yeah, I would say so. Definitely, I think. Yeah, I mean, as you know, Joanne Leslie was uh, getting her degree. We both had jobs, lives, living in New York City is a whole thing in, in and of itself. Um, I think the pandemic actually is kind of when we wrapped up a lot of these just little loose ends because what else was there really to do? But it was a blessing in disguise in that in that way. And I think, yeah, we were able to have a lot, like we weren't physically together in New York, but I right. feel like we were able to set up a lot more intentional meetings just devoted to this and to wrapping this up. So I guess, yeah, you could say that's maybe one of the blessings in disguise that came from, came from the pandemic. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a, there were so many terrible things that happened, but it seems like there was a huge amount of creativity that was spurred, um, whether right during it or, or afterwards. So I always like to wrap things up with like what I call a little lightning round. So we'll have to kind of bounce off of, We'll take one at a time here. Um, favorite social network. And I'll go to Courtney first. Can I say my real life social network? Sure, you can say whatever social network you like. I would say my real in-person social oh, network. Oh, your real in-person social network. Yeah. I love it. Leslie, can you beat that? <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> um, I would say social network. I would say... I don't know if this answered your question instagram only because like for me i i love um you know s storytelling and images and i feel like um that's an opportunity for me my personal life to showcase images and storytelling but also for me to just learn it, about my family and friends like what's going on and some compelling ways you know with the picture storytelling so i didn't i definitely didn't beat courtney but <laughs> No, I, I was a good one. That's the first time anybody has said that. Courtney, it's the first time anybody has said my real life social network. And it's like, yeah, what the, that should be the answer for everybody. But it obviously is not something people would never guess about you. I guess we'll just go Courtney, Leslie, because otherwise we're going to be jumping on top of each other. Um, maybe what you said at the beginning, that I'm from the South. Okay. Leslie? Like even, yeah, people in New York um, found me to be a little bit direct and feisty, which is not, you know, usually a Southern trait. 
Well, I think Southern women tend to be feisty, but it's it's a, it's usually we hear it. It's it just it's you have no accent, and there is an accent. Having grown up in this town, I I definitely, especially when I'm angry, it comes out. But Leslie, what's what's something something uh, people would not recognize know about you? Never guess about you. Would, yeah, it would be that my family grew up in the circus. Wow. Okay. I'm now I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna give Leslie two times in a row. The last series you binged. <laughs> Oh, binged on on Netflix. And it doesn't give me Netflix. Any, oh, any, anything. Uh, oh, I would say Game of Thrones. I am so behind. Okay, I, it's been many, many years, but I'm finally on season seven. So, okay, um, yeah. Game of Thrones. I know I'm behind. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's all right. I've never seen an episode and I never intend to see an episode. Doesn't, okay. it's not my thing. Courtney? I would say I just restarted re-binging, if that's a thing, RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, I heard that was really oh. good. I have not seen that. I have not seen that. Oh, um, so a, a food you can't live without. I'm going to definitely go to Leslie first because I know that that person, <laughs> person who yeah. looks like she never eats likes to eat. <laughs> I would say... Um, pizza not just any pizza new york style pizza that's something that i miss um living in new york is that just nice thin crispy slice of new york pizza courtney food you can't live without i feel like this sounds very generic now but i love macaroons but i also really love steak like from a good new york steakhouse all these things steak nobody <laughs> says that out loud anymore although i you know what from a good new york steakhouse you can't beat it um what you miss most about pre-covid life i would say i miss um just having an office setting you know and having those social connections just going out for lunch or coffee um i miss that a ton yeah and as i'm as you're saying that i'm thinking to myself could what you two have created here been made possible if you were not working in the same office, sharing an office like that, like that physical. I Years ago, I had to, we were renovating an office when I was working at CBS and I shared a, an office with um, Kevin. If you're listening, Kevin, you know exactly who you are. And I, to this day, he's one of my dear, he's one of the dearest people in my life, but we learned there was nothing that we didn't know about each other's lives. There's something that happens when you've got that physical proximity that can breed great things too. Courtney, what about you? What do you miss most about pre-COVID life? Yeah, when you first asked that question, I was thinking, wait, what was pre-COVID life like? (laughs) (laughs) So long ago. Um, But I think exactly what you're saying. I do do appreciate a lot that's come out of COVID. I don't mind working remote, but there are definitely days when it's like Zoom call after Zoom call that it's a different type of fatigue that you feel that like I never used to, like when I meet with people in person, it was more like an energizing, uplifting feeling mm-hmm. at the end of the day, which I think you're, and you're exactly right. Like, I don't think we would have been able to collaborate on this had like mm-hmm. that not been the case. And had we not been like in office was the standard. Yeah. Or even have to, even work. have developed the, obviously you've got a friendship. It's not just a business situation, but do you, can, I don't mm-hmm. know if, you can start things like that, but I just don't know if you, you ever really get to the, the, the real depth of what can happen. And um, last question, what motivates you to get up in the morning? I think like opportunity and like all the amazing people that are in my life. Um, but I guess opportunity as in like something like this, for example, is an opportunity for us to share a message that's mm-hmm. I think bigger than any of us. 
with the world and hopefully, you know, to change a young girl's like perception or future. And yeah, I feel like that's what's, um, what motivates me, the opportunity to, to change things for the better. Love it. Yeah. Leslie. I would have to, yeah, similar, just like my higher purpose, right? I, um, for me, like, I would say my higher purpose is to advocate for equity in education. And I do that in my career and my personal life. And then I would say also through Theaters for Boss Ladies. So that, um, yeah. Oh, what a lovely way to wrap that up. And where can, um, can people find out more about the book and, of course, buy it? So they can go um, to the website, theisforbosslady.com, and it is also available on Amazon. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, ladies. And they can find you. I'll I'll put your LinkedIn um, connection so they can learn more about you if they'd like to follow you online, too. Thank you so much, Joanne. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify so other people can find us and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you've got a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me a note. Info at joannetombrakis.com. And until next time, remember... Whatever got you to where you are isn't enough to keep you there. <laughs>